Let's pray. Father, I couldn't help but picture you in my mind as those 13 girls were singing, leaning on the edge of your throne, ear turned to earth, hushing the choirs that surround you. That must be a beautiful sight to you. Three girls whose hearts sing the prayer we long to pray. Rain down on us. Are you really saying it's beginning to rain, earth? Yo, earth, it's beginning to rain. Let us hear you. And may this teaching in your word Give us all the hope and the courage we need for the adventure ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be saying, yo, Dwight, what do you think about those three hurricanes lined up to simultaneously have landfall together? And that that, that earthquake in Mexico and the fires in the northwest and L.A. So what's up? I'll get to that in a moment. But first, once upon a time, 500 years ago, God used a young German man to ignite a global reformation. 500 years later. Isn't this something? God uses another German man older now, to ignite what I am praying will be a new global reformation in the faith community I love and serve. Because this man has written a book, and the book has gone viral. Over 600,000 copies, hard copies circulating the planet, 23 languages. I've never seen such interest in a book that the phones have been ringing, the emails coming in, people stopping by, yo, I want that book. What about that book? And the book is free, which is, of course, how I happen to get a hold of it. And I told you the story last week, written by Helmut Haubeil. Title of the book, Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit. What's all the fuss? And guess what? I just learned. A thousand downloads since last Sabbath. Hope you got your copy. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. Free. Just for you. In fact, I'm praying for God to raise up a hundred people in this campus parish who will join me in praying every single morning until Jesus comes now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One hundred men, women, young adults, and children praying like these 13 girls for the outpouring every day. Because if I understand this correctly, this gift brings every other, get this, every other gift in the universe when you get this gift. Daily asking for this one gift. We looked at the words of Jesus last week. Let me put them on the screen to remind you again. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says, If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, Legos or whatever it is, 
If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And in the Greek actually reads, who ask Him continually, day after day after day after day, never stop asking me. That was, that was the life Jesus lived. We, we, we read this last week as well. I'll put it on the screen for you. Morning by morning, our Lord Jesus communicated with his Father in heaven, receiving from him daily a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And look, if he needed that fresh baptism to triumph over the cosmic battle, the forces of evil that surrounded him, if he needed it, how much more you and me? Come on. So please prayerfully consider this morning's teaching. Put it on the screen for you. Ground zero and the new Reformation, how to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, part two. If you didn't hear part one, after part two, you go back and hear part one. This is critical material. It's not original with me. There's our website, www.newperceptions.tv. Once upon a time, Jesus told a story. And when he was through with the story, he dictated a letter. And when you put the story and the dictated letter together, my, oh, my, what a stunning truth greets us today. And we got to see it. We got to hear it. So first of all, the story, once upon a time, a boy and a girl fell in love and they began to plan for their wedding. Oh, I love these kind of stories, don't you? And as they were sitting down, the girl said to the boy, we need to put an invitation list together. And the boy being a boy said, yo, girl, that'll be for you to do. So she said, I will. She put an invitation invitation list together and made certain that all her girlfriends were invited to the big and happy day. And guess what? All 10 of them showed up at the wedding. Small little hitch. The wedding didn't get started on time. It was delayed. And so all 10 of those girlfriends went to sleep when at the middle of the night, a shout through the midnight air, yo, the bridegroom is coming. Come on out here and celebrate his arrival. And everybody, all 10 girlfriends, jumped up. But alas, for five of the girlfriends, oops, no oil for their lamps to brighten the night to welcome the bridegroom. And so while the five girlfriends raced to Walmart to get more oil, the bridegroom showed up with his joyful entourage and swept the wedding party into that jubilant banquet hall. The end. Well, that's not quite the end. I'm going to read the ending to you. Open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Red letters in my Bible, red letters, just before the crucifixion. Boy, oh boy, when you know you're on death row, you don't just tell stories. You only will tell a story that matters because it's the passion of your heart. Matthew, chapter 25. Find it in your Bible, whatever you have. I'm in the NIV. Let's read the ending together. Matthew 25. Let's pick it up in verse 10. Matthew 25, verse 10, Jesus speaking, and while they were on their way, the five girlfriends that ran out of oil, while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was boom, shut. Later, the others came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly, I tell amen, I tell you, I don't know you. 
Now comes Jesus' punchline, verse 13. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, let me share with you a fascinating list that Helmut Haubiel has put together describing these 10 girlfriends. And what's so amazing about this list is that it reveals that all 10 of them have the entire list alike, except for one small but significant detail. Let me run the list by you. See what you think. There are 11 parts to this list. So here you go. Here comes number one. All 10 were girls. And in the Bible, a virgin girl is a symbol of the church of God. So immediately Jesus clues us, this is really about the church. All 10 were Girls, all ten had pure biblical beliefs. All ten had lamps. All ten had the Bible. Your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. All ten had the Bible. All ten of them went to meet the bridegroom. All ten of them looked forward to the second coming. Number seven, all ten of them went to, went to sleep. All, number eight, all heard the call and woke up. Nine, all prepared their lamps. Ten, all the lamps were burning. But now here comes the one difference. Half of them noticed, number 11, that their lamps were going out. So what do we know about the difference between the five and the five? Helmut Haubeil cuts to the chase. His words on the screen. You need to fill it into your study guide. The lamps of the foolish virgins that only burn for a short time show us that they did have something from the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't enough. There was too little oil. That was the only, write it down, that is the only difference. They're identical in every other way. They didn't have the oil. Did you catch that? Between the wise girlfriends and the foolish girlfriends, the only difference is the foolish had not enough oil, not enough to carry them through to the very end, not enough oil, not enough Holy Spirit, because oil is the universal symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Oh, no, they probably got a huge dose of oil at the beginning, but they've spent it all, and they didn't. They failed to replenish their oil day after day, and they just when they need it, nothing there. Can't believe it. How by it goes on. Jot it down. When the five came asking to be let in, isn't there something? Jesus answered, Yo, I do not know you. They were too late in attending to the oil, the Holy Spirit. The door remained closed. Jesus' statement shows us that our personal relationship with Him. Jot that in. It's the personal relationship with him. Jesus has something to do with the Holy Spirit. In fact, may I tell you, it has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. Everything. And the letter Jesus dictated once upon a time makes that absolutely clear because once upon a time, the risen and ascended Christ dictated a letter. In fact, he dictated seven letters to seven churches, and the last letter is going to a little church in a place called Laodicea. He dictates the letter to them because they're the people living at the end of time. And he sends this letter, and I want you to catch the letter. Open your Bible with me. Yeah, come on, you know where the Bible's last book is. Go to, go to Revelation, please, chapter, chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Oh, my. Chapters 2 and 3, red letters all the way through in my red letter Bible. Why? Because these are the seven dictated letters. It's the last letter, the people living at the end that Jesus sends this letter to. Revelation 3, pick it up in verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. 
Verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Oh, I wish that you were either one or the other. So, verse 16, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. If you have the New King James, it says, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, for you say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So verse 18, I'm counseling you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Verse 19, because those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Now here it comes, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Question. Why did Jesus call the believers in the church of Laodicea lukewarm? Write it down. Answer. Because they kept him outside. I don't know how many times I've read Revelation 3 in the letter to the Laodicea. I never have seen this before, but I'm passing it on to you now. Thanks to Helmut Haubeil. I mean, I've always known about this, this, this very tender invitation. I think it's the most beautiful gospel invitation in the whole, in all of Scripture. And how many times have I quoted? Hey, listen, listen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. See, there's no handle out here. You have the handle inside. You've seen those pictures? You, there's no handle. I'm knocking. Knock, knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm coming into you, girl. I'm coming into you, boy. We're going to eat together. We're going to be friends just like this. How many times have I shared this? Ralph Carmichael with that great baby boomer, hymn of appeal, the Savior is waiting. You ever heard that one? Wrong crowd. Sorry. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Isn't that beautiful? No. It's terrible. Nothing beautiful about this to Laodicea. You know why? Because it's hugely hugely embarrassing. Now, here's the point. The point is Jesus is not in the church. He's not in the church. Where do they have him? He's outside. They're busy doing everything. Oh, they're scurrying around. Oh, my, they're professing their orthodoxy. They are believers. Guess what? And the whole time, somebody's outside the church saying, yo, time out. Can you hear? Can you hear me now? He's not in. It's sad. It's not a beautiful gospel appeal. His heart is broken. I'm outside of here. I'm outside here, people. Can you hear me? I really want to come in. Let me in, please. Please let me in. And what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, I tell you what, when you read the, uh, the ten girlfriend parable, it's very clear. The oil is the Holy Spirit. But Dwight, there's no Holy Spirit mentioned here at all until we remember. Jot this down, will you? Until we remember what the New Testament teaches. Watch this. Fascinating. Keep your pen moving. Here we go. First John 3, 24. The one who keeps God's commandments lives in Christ and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. Note it carefully. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus. You see that? You say, oh, that's just an isolated isolated little blurb along the way. Are you kidding? Look at the grand tome, the big book, Romans chapter 8. Paul, if anyone, this is verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. 
Note it again very carefully. When we don't have the Holy Spirit, we don't have Jesus. What's up with that? Here's what's up. Because the Holy Spirit is all about a very personal. Would you write that word in, please? A very personal. It won't do for your daddy to have a relationship, and it won't do for your mother to have a relationship. It has to be your relationship, a very personal relationship with Jesus, which is why the five girlfriends, without the oil, hear the words of Jesus. Hey, girls, I'm awfully sorry. I can't, I, I can't open the door, girls. We, ne- we never got to know, to know each other. I had you on the invitation list, but you, we, you never connected with me. I'm sorry. I don't know you. It's heartbreaking, which is why Jesus, outside the door now, in this letter of Laodicea, said, Yo, somebody open the door. This thing is about to go up. This thing is about to blow over. Open the door, please, and let me in now. So what is it that keeps us from this personal relationship with Jesus? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Put it another way. Let me ask. Rephrase the question. What is it that would keep me outside Jesus' door, as with the five girlfriends, or would keep Jesus outside my door, as with the church of Laodicea? The answer to that question is absolutely vital to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here it comes. Helmut Habeil reminds us that the Bible describes three basic groups of the human race. The human race can be divided into three groups. You've probably heard this once upon a time. Maybe this is new for you. Let me share it with you. Jot it down. There are three groups. The Bible refers to these three groups. Group number one is the natural person. Would you write that down, please? The natural person. Who's that? That person has no relationship with God. In Laodicea, that person is called cold. All right? Cold. I was visiting with a young man a few days ago on this campus. It was pouring rain. He was walking under my umbrella, and he announces to me, and by the way, he says, I'm an atheist. Oh, you are? Yes, I am. He says, I find that atheists have brilliant minds. And he says, do you want to talk about Christopher Hitchens? you want to talk about Stephen Hawking? And then he listed three or four others. Yep. No God. Don't need him. No eternity. Never wanted an eternity anyway. Now, that young man fits under the category natural man, natural person. Listen, these descriptions are not pejorative. They're not like being real judgmental. They're just saying, this is the way you are. The natural man, no God, and proud of it. uh, Category number two, jot it down. The spiritual person. So you have the natural man, now you have the spiritual person or the spiritual woman or man. What is that? That's full, that's full, genuine, real relationship with God. In Laodicea, it's called hot, hot, hot. In the, the ten virgins, they're called wise. This is the person who is sold out on God. You can't get into a conversation with him. You can't get far into a, con- in a talk with her before it's coming out. You know that this girl belongs to Jesus. I mean, it's just, it's just there. She can't hide it. He can't hide it. All right? The Bible describes that person as spiritual. So uh, category number one, we have... What what do we have? Category number one? We have natural. Category two, what do we have? There's a third category. Jot it down because as the Bible teaches it, the third category is the carnal. Write that down. The carnal person. That means flesh. It's just the person that lives by his own flesh. She lives by her own flesh. What's carnal? Carnal means divided. A feigned or pretended relationship with God. In Laodicea, the carnal is called lukewarm. Right? Neither one. Lukewarm. In the, in the ten virgins, foolish. The foolish are the carnal. Interestingly enough, 
Back to this young atheist for a moment. And by the way, not a student here. The atheist is not a student here on this campus. But back to the conversation on this campus. He had just come from an assembly. And so we're walking together. And he says, you know what? He says, I find this fascinating. Here is this school that believes in God. And I'm looking around at everybody that's in this auditorium. And I'm noticing they're all, this is supposed to be what you do to worship. And what's everybody doing? They're working their phones. Isn't that amazing? He said, they don't believe in God any more than I do. Because if you believed in God, you'd be connected. Ooh, the gospel according to an atheist. The boy's right. Carnal. What's a carnal person do? I'm in both worlds. In a moment's notice, like a chameleon. Now I'm this. Now I'm that. Carnal. Divided. People are trying to live in both worlds. The no-God world and the God world. Divided. Split relationship with God. Oftentimes pretending that it's a fact in your life when in fact you know it ain't the truth at all. The carnal man, the carnal woman. Did, did uh, how about just kind of make up those terms? No, let me show you the passage. This is, this is rather stirring. Take a look at 1 Corinthians. I want you to see this in your own Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You'll see, the, you'll see the three categories right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's pick it up in verse 14. The person without the Spirit. Now, that's the NIV. NIV wants to say natural. doesn't want to say natural because they said a reader won't understand what natural is. So we're going to tell you that the natural man has no Holy Spirit. Zero, 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 all right? So that's how they translate it. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Ah, can't believe you believe that. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now, here comes the next category, verse 15. But the person with the Spirit, and that would be the spiritual person, all right, in the older translations. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who's known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, who are spiritual persons. We have the mind of Christ. Hey, come on. Where's that third category? Coming up. There was no chapter division when Paul wrote it. Chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, as spiritual persons, but as people who are still worldly. That's the word carnal or fleshly. I have to address you as people who are carnal, mere infants in Christ. Verse 2. I gave you milk for that reason, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Verse 3, you are still carnal or worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly or carnal? Are you not acting like mere humans? Now, look, you guys, I understand. It feels, look, it feels like Paul is ganging up on all of us, you carnal Christians, you carnal Adventists. I know how it feels. But what Paul's trying to say is you're desperately trying to live in both worlds. You can't do it. It's impossible. You have one foot in the world and you have the other foot in the kingdom. You can't survive that way. You're just like this cow. Take a look at this cow. That's what you are. That's bad. That is bad. I mean, that hurts. (laughs) Paul says you're just like this cow. You're half on one side and half on the other. Paul isn't mad at them. He's not mad at us. Are you kidding? What he's concerned about is fellow brothers and sisters who are carnal. And by the way, that's good news. Fellow brothers and sisters, your church members. He's saying, come on, we're together. 
In fact, how Bile again put, it, put his words on the screen. Paul addressed the carnal people as dear brothers. In 1558 in the NIV, my dear brothers and sisters. This shows that he was dealing with church members. Paul couldn't speak to them as to spiritual people, meaning they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit or weren't sufficiently filled with the Holy Spirit. He had to speak to them as babes in Christ. This shows that they haven't grown in faith as they should have. Now listen, a person can have great biblical knowledge and still not grow spiritually. Hit the pause button right there, because this is a university campus where intellectual knowledge and the uh, intellectual prowess and the accumulation of knowledge are our goal. I mean, we, we want this, right? I want it. I'll be at the front of the line. I want to be as sharp intellectually as I can be. But Paul says a little bit later in chapter 13, and by the way, even if I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge but have not love, what's love? Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm lost. I'm lost. You can be teaching the Bible and be lost. You can be preaching the Bible and be lost. There's nothing about position here that once you get to this position, now you're safe. No. We're all in this together, folks. As Maury Vendon used to say, I like this, Maury Vendon, uh, there is no such thing as partial surrender. Listen, listen. It's no more possible to be partially surrendered than it is possible to be a little bit pregnant. Hey, girl, you pregnant? Just a little bit. Oh, really? You can't be half surrendered. You can't be half pregnant. You're either fully pregnant or not pregnant. You're either fully surrendered or not surrendered. You can't be half. Colonel, you can't live like this. You're going to get the splits, and that's going to be painful one day. You can't live in two worlds. You can't. My dear brothers and sisters, he writes, babes in Christ, you're still carnal. And by the way, three times he uses the word still, and that's great news because the goal is to get you on. You're still here, but that's okay. We're going to get you on. God is going to move you on. The still is good news. It means we're not stuck in carnal. We can move on. There's something better ahead. Okay, one more line. Carnal church members, ooh, is this on the screen? Carnal church members can be very active and even have leading positions in the local church or even in the church administration. In other words, you can go all the way up the ladder, all the way to the top, because position does not keep you from being carnal. And you could be carnal all the way at the top. What's his last line here? They may even do a lot for God. Can I talk heart to heart with you right now? I'm concerned for this church I love, all right? I don't know what your attitude toward the church is, but I love this church. I'm concerned. There's a whole lot of talk these days and a debating going on about unity and fairness and power and who makes the ultimate decision and... And I'm thinking to myself, when, when Hal Bile took me to this passage, I'm saying, my Lord, this is us. What is it, what is it there in verse, verse 3? For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not carnal? 
Aren't you using carnal strategies to advance what you believe is right? Aren't you going to politics and saying, I'll take a page out of their playbook and that's how I'll get what is surely God's will done? But you're jealous of each other. You're jockeying for position, just like the 12 disciples. Who's going to be the most powerful in the kingdom of heaven? What's up with this, Paul asks? We have a hot issue in the church right now, and I'm not even going to name it to you. But if you're staking out a position and you're doing everything you can, because I have a right to do this, and if you're doing everything you can according to your right to make sure that everybody understands your position and one day your position will be the position, I don't care what your position is, fighting for that right is not right. It's carnal. You can't fight for your rights and be spiritual. Impossible. Because I have pride on the line now, and I've look at all the stuff I've said about this, and now they're going to think that I'm admitting that I'm wrong, and I'm never going to admit that I'm wrong. Carnal dissensions, debates, and jealousy. It'll kill the church. So when Helmut Halbeil at the, be- the opening page of his book says, I think I found the secret to the problem of the church today. I'm beginning to think he's absolutely right. Carnal, half and half, still not sold out. You remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Do you remember how it ended? Sure you do. Jesus has active church members coming up to him at the end of time, in the judgment. They're coming up to him, and they say to him, we'll put it on the screen for you, Matthew 7, verse 22, many will say to me on that judgment day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not in your name drive out demons? Did we not in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. It's the ten girlfriends all over again. It's the same point. We never had a relationship. We never really connected. I came back every morning. I was knocking at your door every single day begging you, would you open the door? Please, open the door. Just let me in. And you never had time. You were too smart for your own britches. You wouldn't let me in. I don't know you. I wanted to know you. I prayed to know you. I prayed you say yes, but you never did. Wow. Ten virgins, the church in Laodicea, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you notice that it all comes down to a deeply personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's it. Last line. How about Spiritual growth has to do with our complete dedication to Jesus and a constant life in the Holy Spirit. My... Uh, my friends, that right there is the remedy to crush our carnal spirits and to heal our carnal hearts. It's the words of Jesus. Let me put it on the screen for you. John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. That's all I'm asking. That's all you need. Abide in me as I abide in you. Yo, Lord, what does it mean to abide in you? Desire of ages. Look at this. Next line. Abiding in Christ means a constant, write it in, a constant receiving of his spirit. That's the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, a life of unreserved surrender 
to his service. When that happens, come on, guys, here it is. When that happens, gone the carnal life, gone the carnal tactics, gone the carnal lifestyle immersed in the world, gone then a church and a school with a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom, gone the divided heart. Hearts now healed by a daily asking for, morning by morning, a daily asking for a baptism. What these 13 girls just sang about, a daily pleading with God, I want that all over again. Because one dose doesn't last forever. One day, one dose. One day, one dose. One day, one dose. So I appeal to you again today to join me every morning, please, in pleading, God, I have to have the Spirit of Jesus today, right now. Don't wait to feel something. Don't wait to see if you've got tingles up your spine. The promise is clear. You ask, you got it. Just ask me. Just ask me. He's the only only hope we have left, folks. He's the only hope we have left. Now, listen to me carefully. Because if you asked me about these hurricanes, would I say anything about it? I'm going to say about it right now. When they showed this uh, yesterday, and this is uh, a few hours old now, but this is the first time in history, not that there were three hurricanes, we've had that before, but that the three hurricanes are poised to simultaneously make landfall in the United States. And you can't see down in the corner, but there's the state of Chiapas where we took a team, Chris, to, uh, to uh, Pichucalco, the state of Chiapas, right in the south of that, at the southern part of that state, right on that neck there, 8.2, 8.2 magnitude earthquake, the, the largest quake in 100 years in Mexico. And unbelievable, I'm watching the forest, uh, the forest ranger last night on camera in the Pacific Northwest where I have two kids in Oregon, and she's saying, we've never seen fires like this. We, they just keep coming up when we put them out. L.A., the biggest fire in L.A.'s history was this last week. What's going on? What's going on? Maybe the question is not what's going on. Maybe the question should be, who's coming back? Somebody is saying, yo, behold, the the bridegroom is coming. Wake up. All ten of you are asleep. All ten of you are asleep. It's not a sin to be asleep, but it will be a sin to sleep through the massive wake-up call that God will give to America, North America, and this planet. In some sort of order, I have no idea. I'm just saying that if ever you wished for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this would be a good time to pray every day for that baptism. And the oil's there. Don't worry about a calendar. The oil. It's your heart that matters, not God's calendar. Your heart has oil every day. Fill back up. And you are secure in Jesus forever and ever. Oh, Father, here we are. Ten girlfriends. One church at the end of time active in a faith community and saying, come on, you got to let us in. Here we are. The greatest gift of all, just a breath away. Oh, Lord, we don't want to live divided. What's the point of it? Half pregnant? We can't do it. Only you could do it. 
So we have to start asking you before we even get out of any state that we're in. We just start asking today, Jesus, fill me with your spirit today. Oh, God, let prayers by the hundreds arise from this campus to the universe and do something we've not been able to do for ourselves. Hot, wise, sold out followers of Jesus. That's what we want to be. Take these decisions. Keep them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.